Well, welcome today on Resurrection Weekend. We're continuing a series and actually concluding that. We've been talking about because, and today we're going to talk about the grace of God. There's one thing that's common to all of us in here, and that is regret. You know regrets come in all sizes. There are big regrets. Yeah, it's the missed opportunity, and some of us can point down back to a big opportunity we squandered and missed in life. So that was a big regret. There are medium-sized regrets. That's the job that you quit that you probably shouldn't have, but you've overcome that in life. Yeah, there are medium-sized regrets, and then there are small regrets. Oh, perhaps you overspent or overate at a moment, or perhaps that you bought one brand, you thought you were going to save money on it, and it didn't end up being the best buy, and you thought, you know what, I really should have paid a little more, bought that or bought the, the uh, warranty on it. There are small regrets. The thing about regrets, they all speak two words, if only. In our lives, we say, if, if, if only I had gone to college and finished that degree. If, if only we had gone to counseling. You know, if, if only we'd made better decisions. If only we'd have been better parents. Regrets always speak two words, if only. Now, if regrets were covered by insurance, you've already met the deductible, okay? <laughs> yeah, they stay. you've been paying out a long time already. If regret was covered by insurance, you would be, you'd be excluded because perhaps you have pre-existing conditions. Oh, there's a host of stuff and issues that I've done wrong, and I'm carrying the guilt of that, of my regret. You know, regret is both a symptom and a cause. Yes. Sometimes our regrets are a symptom of our misjudgment, our mistake, our sin. But sometimes it's the cause. It's the cause of our guilt. It's the cause of our, our intimidation. It can be both a cause. It can be a symptom. But one thing about it is, Guilt comes to all of us. Regret comes to all of us. And some of us here, we're gold medal contenders in the sport of regret. I mean, we've gone year after year after year after year and just regret, and you keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. You're a gold medal winner in the field of regret. Now, I believe God has something He wants to speak to us, and He wants to invite you and I into a regret-free zone. How can we live without regret? How can we move past the guilt, the condemnation, the toxic, just uh, always regretting the past? The grace of God invites us. You see, grace cancels disgrace in our life. And many of us don't really understand the full meaning of grace. And I'd like to have a conversation with you today about God's grace. With that in mind, I'm going to invite you to open your Westover app, or if you have a Bible and you'd like to join me in the book of 2 Timothy. Now, it's further on in the New Testament. Go to the Gospels, keep going. Romans, Corinthians, just keep going. You'll come to Thessalonians, just keep going. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 1. In 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, will speak this to us. 
And there's two truths he opens verse number 9 with. And he says, he, Jesus, he has saved us and he's called us to a holy life. He saved us, number one, Jesus did. Number two, Jesus calls us to a holy life. Now, in verse number 9, he's going to give us two because statements. Let's go on. He saved us not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace that was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who destroyed death and has brought life and immortality in the light of the gospel. Now, before we go on, let's just unpack those uh, verses just a little bit because they speak to us. It opens verse number 9 telling us two things. Jesus, he has saved us. Number two, he's called us to a holy life. He adds to that two because statements. He has saved us not because of anything we have done. The good thing about God, you don't have to earn salvation. You don't have to earn the grace of God. God doesn't save us because we're we're well refined, we're educated, we're perfect, and we're worthy. No, not because of anything we've done. But it continues. He's called us to a holy life because of his purpose that he has for us. So for every one of us, I can make this declaration. Jesus came. Why? He wants to save us and he calls us into a holy life. God has a purpose for us. Now let's go on. Verse number 10. It it gives us a fuller understanding. This grace that comes through Jesus Christ, verse number 10 says, is revealed at the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death. In that one statement, the Bible highlights that grace comes to us by the incarnation of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. By Christmas and Easter. It says by his appearing. That speaks of his birth. By the incarnation, by Christmas, God showed up in order to demonstrate his grace. But it continues. The resurrection of Jesus, which we celebrate on this Easter weekend, the resurrection of Jesus also demonstrates that he destroyed death, that he is extending his grace to you and I. I'm here to say, Jesus cancels regrets. Big, small, large, doesn't matter. A host of regrets from the past, misjudgments, miscalculations, misdeeds, our sin. Jesus is in the business of canceling regret by his grace. And there's two things about the grace of God I'd like to share with you today. First, concerning the grace, the grace of Jesus Christ, because grace is God's DNA. Grace is the DNA of God. It tells us in verse number 9, he has saved us. He saved us. It's It's in the nature of God. You see, Jesus didn't go to a seminar on grace. He didn't go into coaching. He didn't hire a grace coach to show him how to be graceful. He didn't learn. You and I have to learn things. You and I have to to, uh, acquire skill. But when it came to Jesus, Jesus, grace is his DNA. It is who Jesus is. 
And what is grace? Someone has rightly defined grace is no more than the unmerited favor of God. I like to say the undeserved favor and kindness of God. The undeserved kindness of God. Here it is. God loves us when we least deserve it. You and I, we like people who deserve it. If people are kind, you say, no, I like that. Why do you like the person? Well, they treat me nice. Yes, you, you get a scholarship because you have a high GPA or a high IQ. When it comes to the grace of God, the Bible says it's not by anything we have done. It's in God's DNA. I don't earn it. I don't merit it. I certainly don't deserve it. God extends his grace to us regardless of our past, our failures. It doesn't matter whether they're few or many. God's in the business of loving those who least deserve it, and my name is on that list. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 9, and I like this, this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus. Notice this in verse 9, before the beginning of time. I think we read through that and many of us didn't see it. The grace of God was given to us before the beginning of time. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Does that mean before God created Adam and Eve, he was extending grace? Yes, does that mean before Adam sinned, before Adam and Eve took the forbidden fruit, before God created the earth, before God created the world, God was extending grace absolutely. This is called in theological terms the prevenient grace of God. The prevenient. Prevenient means beforehand. God, and this is the marvelous thing about him, he extends his love ahead of time already knowing I'm going to fail, already knowing I'm going to make mistakes. It is the prevenient grace of God. God doesn't love me because I became lovable or I deserved it or I cleaned up my act. God said, when I was weak and at my worst, guess what? He loved me and extended his grace to me and to you. For a moment, just think. Let's say that you fill out an application for a new job. You start Monday. You go to the new job on Monday. You're hired. When you're hired, you have a bad moment with a testy customer. And you tell the customer, just a, you give them a piece of your mind, and the boss sees that. Then later on in the day, you're ordering some stock and, and getting things set, and you push in the wrong information, the wrong code number, and you order the wrong material. So that's going to delay things, and, and it's going to put them behind, and they're going to lose additional business. And then when the boss, you thought he wasn't looking, but he actually was looking, you reached in the cash drawer and you took a little extra and you put it in your pocket. And at the end of the day, the boss calls you in, says, I want to have a conversation with you about your first day. And you say, okay, they're going to lower the hammer on me. I am fired. I know it. And the boss says, guess what? I saw that my best customer, you were rude, and they're never coming back. Oh, my goodness. I saw you got into the cash drawer. And you took, you stole from the company. Not only that, you ordered the wrong stock and the wrong material, and we're going to be delayed, and we're not going to be able to do and perform the, the, the business that we were supposed to do. And because of what you've done today, I want to give you a $100 bonus. Wouldn't you like that job? <laughs> That's the kind of guy I want to work for. That's, in other words, knowing that you failed, knowing you messed up, he gives you a bonus. Would any boss do that? Absolutely not. But God did that. God knew you would sin. 
God knew you would have doubts. God knew that you would have inhibitions. God knew that you would waver. God knew you would be inconsistent in knowing all of that ahead of time. Before the beginning of time, God extended his grace to you and I. That is the DNA of God. Now, this is not original with me, but I like the numerical formula. One cross plus three nails equals forgiven. I like that. One cross, three nails, Jesus. You put all of that together, and that means you're forgiven. God knows all of your business. God knows all of your mistakes. God knows all of your miscalculations. And God still extends his grace, his love to you. Why? Because it's in the DNA of God. That's who God is. Number two I want to share with you about the grace of God is because we're saved by grace, we walk by faith. Because we're saved by grace, we walk by faith. Let's go back to verse number 9 in 2 Timothy 1. He saved us. That's the grace of God. We don't deserve it. And called us to a holy life because God has a purpose. God loves those who least deserve it, and he calls those who least expect it. Every one of us, God wants to save you, or God has saved you, and also, not only does he save you, He's called you to a holy life. God has something great for you. And today, in the American church, we all want to live, and we're told to just preach a gospel of grace and do anything you want. Don't put demands. But the Bible says he saved us and he's called us to a holy life. Some people would say, oh, don't mention that. Don't mention that God has some demands or requirements just on the grace of God, preach that and that alone. Sometimes we just want enough grace to miss hell. And you know, that's all right. I'm glad I'm going to miss hell. How about you? I'm glad the judgment of God is going to pass me by because Jesus saved me. But in addition to that, God wants me to live my life with purpose. God wants you to live your life with purpose. God has an assignment. God doesn't call you to a halfway life. God has something bigger and better for you that sometimes we don't even imagine all that God will do if we would just hear God's call to a holy life. In Titus, in the New Testament, chapter 2, verse number 14, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And as I read this, I want you to notice there are three, two, T-O, two statements. He, Jesus, gave his life, number one, to free us from every kind of sin. Well, that's good news. To cleanse us and to make us his own people. That's a pretty good deal. Notice the next statement. Totally committed to doing good deeds. Totally committed to doing good deeds. He's called you and I. He's called every one of us to live a holy life. We are saved by grace, yes, but we walk by faith and God is saying receive his grace but also walk by faith and realize every one of us God has a purpose and if we will obey God and walk by faith in this path of faith we're going to discover God's best 
and something that is kind of the enemy and erodes our ability to walk by faith is a common law that's a part of our culture, it's a part of your family, it's a part of your, our economy, it's a part of every aspect of American life, and it's called the law of equivalent exchange. We operate by it. You may not even know the law, but you operate by it. The law of equivalent exchange says, I have to get in order to receive. I, I, I have to give something. I have to invest something to get something back. I have to get good grades in order to get a scholarship. A law of equivalent exchange. Those who are better get better benefits. I will give eight hours work. I expect eight hours pay. Law of equivalent exchange. And then when you go to work, you say, no, I won't work for that. Th this scale, I want this kind of a pay scale. I want a higher pay scale. Why? Because of my education, my talent, my skill. I won't work for this, but if you'll pay me this, that's, a, that's an equivalent exchange for my talent, skill, and ability. I will give you this in exchange for this rate of pay. Law of equivalent exchange is how we work. If you do your chores, guess what? You'll get your allowance. You'll get benefits. Uh, it's a part of everything we do. And we bring the law of equivalent exchange into our spiritual life. And God does not run his kingdom. God does not run his kingdom by the law of equivalent exchange. You see, Jesus always gives more than he asks for. God always has something better than we can see. Uh, and the scripture says, more than you can ask or think. Your eye has not seen, your ear has not heard. You can't even imagine the good things. We sang it a while ago. God has good things. God will do something good in your life. But sometimes we say, I'm not sure, God. I'm not sure I'm going to come out on the short end of the stick. I can't see all that you have for me. How can I illustrate this? Well, Denise and I, we have been married 42 years. 42 years, this woman has lived in bliss, okay? For, the kiss of bliss happened to Denise. 42 years. Yes, we've been married that long. Sure. Do you know, before she dated me, I know this is going to be hard to conceive, she dated somebody else. Can you imagine that? Do you know how close she came to missing bliss? <laughs> Do you know how close she came to missing 42? I mean, this guy, this guy was a loser. Can I tell you? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. He, he was one taco short of a combination plate. He, <laughs> he was a loser. I, 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 I swear, I swear, if he bought a new car, the rearview mirror would say, objects in the mirror are dumber than they appear. I, I really believe that. This guy was slow. It'd take him 90 minutes to watch 60 minutes. He was slow. I mean, this guy just was not with it. But she was dating him. Little did she know what God had in store. What God had in store. The difficulty was she was still with him. She couldn't get the call. Okay? And finally, one day, she broke up with him. I guess she got tired of wiping drool off his chin. I don't know what the thing, I don't know what it was. But they broke up. And because they broke up, 
I made the move. Okay. I, 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 made, I made the call. Okay. I made the call. And I told I heard on the grapevine. Yeah, I heard it on the grapevine. And we started dating and we married. And now, 42 years later, we're still married. But can I tell you something? In every one of our lives, God has something better. And sometimes we can't say, I can't walk away from what I've got. This is it. And we think God's going to shortchange us. Can I say God has something better? God has something better. I'm going to ask Desani to come out here. Would you come? This is one of the students in our Westover student ministry. Desani, come out here. And I ask her to be a part of this message. I'm going to, I'm going to illustrate this. We're going to just unpack this further. Desani, I understand you have a $5 bill, right? Okay. Here's a $5 bill. Now, the law of equivalence exchange says that she'll give that away if she gets something of equal value. Now, Desani... Would you exchange your $5 bill for one of mine? Okay. How about $2? Jessani, $3. You're driving a hard bargain. How about I'll give you $4 for that $5 bill? You mean you want all five of my ones for that $5 bill? That's the law of equivalent exchange. She won't give me a $5 bill for two, three, so forth. But just a moment, Jasani. Let's say that $5 bill represents all of your dreams. That's more than just a $5 bill. That $5 bill represents your ambitions, your dreams, the stuff you pray for. It's, it's, the, it's the ambitions you have. It's everything you want to be. It's the best. You say, I want to do this. I want to achieve this. I want to one day have. I want to one day go. I want to one day accomplish. Everything you see in your life, that $5 bill represents. And here's what God is saying. He wants it all. He said total commitment. And some of us, we hold back. I'm not going to give God all because I'm going to be shortchanged. I mean, I've read some of the Bible. You shall not, cannot, thou shall not. Come on. This is the 21st century. I don't want to lose out. So we hold back and we give God a part, just a portion. But Jessani, God wants your all. And if you'll give God your all, God has so much more for you. And sometimes we say we can't. But can you trust the Lord? Can you trust the Lord? And sometimes we see just one. And I say, God, if I give you my all, I come out with only. I feel like I'm going to be shortchanged. But I'm going to ask you, can you trust God with your future? Would you, in what may appear at the moment, total commitment, you feel like you're going behind, would you trust God to give him your all? Would you do that? Here's what it is. I've got a $50 bill to give you. That's yours. Jessani, sometimes we're reluctant to give God our all. But I want that to remind you. God never asks anything of you that he doesn't have more to give you. God will never shortchange you. Jessani, 
all of your goals, all of your ambitions, all of your dreams. Those are things that God put inside of you. And the DNA of God, the grace of God, with its God calls you. He saved you, but he calls you to a holy life. And sometimes that holy life, we say, I'll be shortchanged. Don't believe it. Because in that, God has a purpose. And God will never shortchange you. God bless you. That $50 bill is yours. So it is true with us. We hold on. And we say, God, I can't give you my all. God, right now, I'm giving you just portions and, and little pieces, and it seems so much, and it seems beyond what I can do, and I just feel drained by it. You know, the joy never comes in partial commitment. He has saved us from sin. He has cleansed us. And the scripture says he's made us his own family, his own child. Why? To be totally committed, he's called us to a holy life. And the life God has for you is bigger, better. It's the law not of equivalent exchange. It's the law of abundant exchange. We give what we have to the Lord. And God gives us so much more. Because that's the DNA of God. God sees better for you and God wants better for you than you want for yourself. And if you'll give God your all, God will give you his all. God won't hold back. And the resurrection of Jesus, the empty tomb, teaches us this. The empty tomb is not a dead end. It's a new beginning. Jesus takes and demonstrates in the resurrection when you feel like you have nothing left, God has a new beginning. And some of us were under a mountain of regret. And the grace of God cancels that. Jesus came out of the grave to demonstrate you and I can have a new life in Christ. And I'm going to extend the opportunity for you to know that new life in Christ today. So across this auditorium, balcony and main floor no one moving this is an altar moment i'm going to invite you to bow your heads and we're going to go in a moment of prayer and right where you're at you can have a moment of calling upon god and inviting jesus into your heart and i have a twofold question to pose to this audience today the first one is do you need to receive christ as your savior have, have, have you let regret keep a wall between you and God? Have you looked at your mistakes, your failure, and say, God can't, God can't correct it. I'm carrying a mountain of failure and guilt, and you feel like you're buried under that? I want you to know that he saves us by his grace. Nothing you have done, you can't earn it. God gives it. It's the gift of the Lord. And if you're ready today, to receive Jesus as your Savior in a prayer moment, I'm going to invite you right now to lift your hand across this audience and say, that's me. How about it? I'm, going to, I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Savior. I'm ready to receive the Lord. If that's you, raise your hand. And you're indicating, I'm at that moment. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. 
somebody else. Yes, to my left. God bless you. Just hold your hand up a moment. Yes, sir. Yes, young man. Thank you. Somebody else. Can't do it on my own. Felt like I could. Felt like I had to clean my life up. Little guy there. Bless you, young man. God sees your hand. God sees your heart. Somebody else. Yes, somebody else. I'm ready to receive Christ as my Savior today. It's a twofold, twofold invitation. The second is, many of us know the Lord. We've been saved, but we've, we've held on to God just barely. And you've heard today, He's called you to live a holy life, totally committed. And you cannot describe your walk of faith as a totally committed walk of faith. It's up and down. It's occasional. It's, it's convenient at times, and sometimes it's distant. But you're willing and wanting today to say, I'm going to totally commit. And you know what that means in your heart. You say, but I, 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 I can't do it because, because, because. And then what you realize today, God has a purpose. And it's not the law of equivalent exchange. It's the law of abundant exchange for you but you're ready to totally, totally commit your life and your heart to the Lord. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand right now. That's me. Totally commit my life to the Lord. Yes, yes, sir. Yes. Yes, just that. All the way in the back. God bless you. Yes. All the way. Somebody else. I'm ready to totally commit my life. Yes, young man. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. In the balcony, I'm ready to go totally in with God. Just lift your hand and indicate. That's what I'm going to do on this resurrection day. I'm going all in with God. Now, allow me to lead you in a moment of prayer. Where you're seated, I'm going to invite you with the deepest devotion and most sincere prayer and devotion to God to commit to the Lord to ask Jesus to forgive you to ask Jesus to come into your heart to make the total commitment to God and many of us know what that means and that represents for us but to do that today on this Easter Sunday Heavenly Father at this moment I I partner with people that have raised their hand in this Easter service. Some are asking you to forgive them right now. That's the plan of salvation. You save us. When we call upon the name of the Lord, you hear us. When we say, Jesus, forgive me, and Jesus, come into my heart, you honor that. When sincere faith calls upon God, God, by his marvelous grace, he saves us and frees us. And I thank you for those that are making that declaration right now. For those who are praying a wholehearted, full commitment to Jesus. Those who have thought if they get, really gave God their full, went in all the way with God, somehow they would lose in life. Somehow they couldn't be successful. They couldn't fulfill their dream. But they've realized today, God, you have so much more. And they're really, they're really robbing themselves. When they give their all to God, God awakens faith 
and God awakens purpose in them and they fulfill, they fulfill and walk a life that they never would have known otherwise, the abundant life. And you're hearing their commitment, total commitment to Jesus today, total commitment to the things of God. And I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, honor that. God, right now, by your grace, just seal that moment in their heart. And I thank you for this. In the name of our risen Savior, Jesus, amen. Amen. For those that prayed that prayer, you raised your hand. On the screen is our text number. If you will text two words, new life, new life, on the screen, there is a five-minute video I just recorded that I go through scripture, several scriptures showing you the plan of salvation in a detailed way what the New Testament says just happened in your life. I'm going to invite you to text New Life to that number. Watch that video to, to affirm and give you a Bible understanding of the statement of faith that you've made and some next steps for you because we want God's best for you. Thank you for being with us on Resurrection Weekend. God bless you. Go in the goodness of the Lord. You're dismissed.